Good morning. Today's reading is going to be from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Again, that's Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Good morning. It's good to see everyone here today. I have a question for you to start off our uh, lesson this morning. When you hear the words politician and lawyer, what comes to mind? You're probably going, oh, yeah. It's probably negative, right? What I'm going to do now is I'm going to show you a picture of an individual who was both a politician and a lawyer and see how you react. Right there. This is a picture of Abraham Lincoln. He was the 16th uh, president of the United States of America from 1861 to 1865. Abraham Lincoln has been constantly voted and hailed as the best U.S. president that has ever lived. Uh, and uh, that is from the American Histor Historical Survey that's been conducted all these years. In 2000, 2009, 2017, um, hundreds of... Uh, American presidential historians and uh, biographers thought he was the best president of all time in the U.S. Why is that? Well, one thing that can give us an inkling into the answer to the question, why that reputation, was because of his nickname. Did you guys remember what his nickname was? That's right, Honest Abe. Why was he called that? Well, because he was very honest. That nickname he got starting from when he worked as a store's clerk in uh, New Salem, Illinois. As a clerk, it was, uh, it, it was said that he was not a very good salesman because he would often steer people away from making a purchase. We would say, don't buy this because it's not a good quality or don't buy that because it's not good for you. And also when he made mistakes in handing out change, he would realize that at the end of the day when he was reconciling his transactions. So what would he do? He would close up the store and he would take the change in his hand and he would walk miles to go to the people's houses to give them the exact change that was due them. As a lawyer, he was looked upon and, and highly revered by his colleagues. They deferred to him for his upright morality and decision-making and his judgment. And as a politician, his uh, opponents conceded defeat graciously because they knew that he was an upright, outstanding, and honest man. Now, we can understand why he, had this, he has this reputation even long after his, uh, his death. It's because of his character. It's because specifically of his integrity. That is what I would like to talk to you about this morning. Integrity is well sought after in this life. It doesn't matter if you're a politician or a lawyer or a store clerk or a mechanic or a doctor. It doesn't matter who you are. We look for integrity in our lives today. And as Christians, it is extremely important for us to show our Christian integrity. And this morning, I just want to encourage all of us to have integrity like Jesus. This uh, lesson today is part of our overall 
Becoming Like Jesus sermon series for the second quarter of 2018, uh, April, May, and June. And again, we have seen so many things, so many Christian aspects in our lives in which we should pattern against Jesus so that we can be more like him. Like, for example, in our suffering, obedience, uh, speech, in our humility, our love, and now in our integrity, we can pattern these against our greatest example, Jesus, so we can be more and more like him each day. Now, for our lesson today on integrity, we're going to do the same thing as we've done before in this series. We're going to look at Jesus, and we all understand that he lived a life of integrity. He preached the word. He taught the truth. And what Ray told us today at the Lord's Supper, he always preached the truth. And he didn't only do that, he also embodied it. And what we're going to do in that particular uh, part of our lesson is we're going to look into his teaching on integrity because he's more than qualified to teach us on integrity. And then what we're going to do in the second part is we're going to apply it to us so we can have integrity like Jesus in our lives today. But before we go there, we are going to look at what integrity is. What is integrity? I think it's important for us to understand this so that we can start off uh, on the same uh, level of playing field so we can benefit at the same time, equally in this lesson. What is integrity? Well, the online dictionary uh, defines integrity as this. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Moral uprightness. It's not just being you. It's having that, uh, that, that reputation of being morally upright. Of being a good moral person. Okay, And so, to really zone in on what this is saying, I looked into the internet, because it's where everything is. I looked into the internet, I looked at quotes, so that to give us sort of an idea on what integrity really is. And I found these really good ones on the internet. Uh, this is the first one. Integrity is choosing courage over comfort, choosing what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy, and choosing to practice our values rather than simply professing them. Integrity is not the easy way out. Integrity is doing the right thing. And integrity is not just head knowledge. It's something that we demonstrate with our actions. The next quote, people of integrity and honesty not only practice what they preach, they are what they preach. People of integrity, they embody what they profess. Okay? And this, is, this one is really uh, very striking to me. Integrity is not something you show others. It is how you behave behind their back. What do we do when people are not watching? That is who we are. Okay? We need to be true to our characters. This is why John C. Maxwell said this about integrity. Image is what people think we are. Integrity is what we really are. It's not about our image. Because we can fake image. We can show people what we, what we want to show them. But integrity is what we really are. It's who we are at our core. It's our beliefs, our attitudes, exemplified and demonstrated. So going back to that definition of integrity, it is not just being who we are, because we can be bad people, but it's who we are, the good individuals that we need to be, morally upright, outstanding, and good. The online dictionary also has this as a definition. The state of being whole and undivided. That's integrity. It's being whole in our character. 
And I saw this quote online. One of the truest tests of integrity is, is, is its blunt refusal to be compromised. Integrity is keeping our character whole and intact. Not having it chipped away by the things that we compromise on. The things that we know we should not do and then we're doing. That is integrity. And for us today, Christian integrity is embodied in our truthfulness and our faithfulness. And we're, we are going to see this particular root of our uh, integrity, of our Christian integrity in the teaching of Jesus. So that's what we're going to do now. What does Jesus say about integrity? And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the uh, Bible passage that was read today by Colin. And that is going to be the basis of our lesson this morning in Matthew 5, 33 to 37. And this particular uh, text, Jesus was talking about oaths. He was talking about making vows. See, the people that he was talking to at the time when he was speaking this, the Sermon on the Mount, the Jewish people back then, they knew about making vows and swearing an oath. Because that was part of their Jewish tradition, that was part of their Jewish law. In fact, we see in the book of Numbers, chapter 30, verse 2, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. In this particular verse, we see two things. People sometimes would make a vow invoking the name of God, saying, by God's name, I will do this. But according to this verse as well, people make vows without invoking the name of the Lord. And regardless of the situation, that vow is binding. You guys see that? Make a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge. Two things. Both are binding. Now, there's another verse that we can see in Deuteronomy 23, 23 that reads like this. That which has gone from your lips, you shall keep and perform. For you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God, which you have promised with your mouth. See, in this particular regard, whatever comes out of your mouth, that is a promise to do something, a vow, whether or not you say by God's name or you didn't say by God's name, you voluntarily promise it with your mouth to God. It's right there. And in which case it is binding. Now, let's go back to what Jesus talks about in his Sermon on the Mount on oaths and, and vows. He, in verse 33, he makes uh, an identification of how the people back in that day were applying and interpreting the law. The, the verses that we just saw recently. Okay? This is what he said. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. At first glance, we can go, well, what's wrong with that? That's true. This is what the scribes and the Pharisees have been telling and teaching the people of that day. But then in the context, you see what's wrong. See, this is what they were doing. They were making promises and only fulfilling promises that had God's name attached to it. Did you guys see that? They were saying, if I say I vow to God that I will do this, then I will do that. But if I don't say by God's name I will do this, then I'm okay. I don't have to do it. They were making vows in a manner that is not truthful and not faithful. faithful. They were doing Hippocratical vows. And they're doing vows that are foolish. 
And Jesus exposes this. In verses 34 to 36, he tells them, well, the people back then, what they were doing was they're invoking the name, uh, or, or, or not the name of God, but they were invoking things that are holy, that appear to be godlike, so that they can garner credibility, so that they can uh, have a semblance of truthfulness and integrity in their vows. They will say things like, I, I swear by heaven, or I swear by earth, or by Jerusalem, or they even say, I swear by my own head that I will do this. But Jesus breaks it all down and say, says, if you're saying all that, you are also making a vow to God. The exact same thing as what the Old Testament has been teaching them about vows and oaths. That if you, if you do say something that you're going to do, you need to do it. Regardless of whether you put God's name on it or no God's name on it. Jesus says, if you swear by heaven, you're swearing by God because that's God's throne. If you swear by earth, you're swearing by God because it is his footstool. If you swear by Jerusalem, you're swearing by God because it is the city of the great king, our God. And if you swear by your head... You, you can't do that because you don't have power over your head. God does. He owns it. And if you swear by your head, you're swearing by God. It's amazing because back then, when they made a promise, it's been lost in like all this convoluted system of vows, of, of vow-making and oath-making. And we know that because we see that in this particular verse. And Jesus exposes it even further. In Matthew 23, 16-18, Jesus says, Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. So this is what they were doing. I would say, I promise by the altar that I will do this. And somebody says, oh, what did he promise? Did he, did he invoke something in his promise? Yes, he said by the altar. And they would say, oh, he's not going to do it. Because he only said the altar. He did not say, I swear by the gift on the altar that I will do it. You see what it does to somebody's integrity? They will be like second-guessing people. Like, I don't know if they actually meant that. Because they just said, uh, they just said, uh, temple. They didn't say gold of the temple. The, the religious leaders back then had the scale. They had it all written down to really understand if, the, if somebody promised something and its validity and, it's, it, and whether or not it's binding. They have that list all down pat. And then Jesus continues on in verse 19 of Matthew 23. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Jesus went all the way back to the law and the intent of the Old Testament scriptures about, about oaths and about swearing. When you say something and you vow to do it, you promise to do it, you are bound by it. That is what Jesus 
was telling them. And then he enjoins that truthfulness and that, uh, that faithfulness in his command in verse 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes, comes from the evil one. This hypocritical making of vows, this untruthful making of promises, that comes from the evil one. And now we come to the second part, the fun part, where we apply this in our lives today. What is this to us today to have integrity like Jesus, as he taught in that particular passage in Matthew 5? Jesus tells us that our yes must be yes and our no must be no. In essence, Jesus is telling us that we should be people of integrity in that we mean what we say and we say what we mean. When we utter something, we don't have this in the back of the head. Well, I don't know if I should do that, but I'll say it anyway because it's going to appease him for the time. It's going to make, make her feel okay for the time. But really, I don't intend on doing it. We cannot be people that are like that. We cannot be people uh, that, uh, that have the reputation of uh, not being, uh, not being uh, reputable in that regard. We want to be people that really uh, that can be that, that people can be counted upon, that people can be uh, that people can can tell that these individuals, these Christians, they are trustworthy, they are reliable, they are as good as their word. So, in essence, what we want to be are people of integrity that embody these two things. If you're going to be if after this lesson, if you're going to remember one thing from this lesson, it should be this. That Christian integrity has to be this. Truthfulness and faithfulness. When we say something, there has to be an element of truthfulness in our heart. That we mean it when we said it. Because if we do not mean it, we should not say it. And there should be an element of faithfulness in there. In that we will do everything that we can. To make sure that we follow through with our promise. Truthfulness and faithfulness. Now somebody's probably going, well, Jay, does that mean that we can't swear an oath at all? Because Jesus says we can't swear an oath. Does that mean that, you know, when I become a citizen, I can't go in my swearing-in ceremony? Or when I get married, I, I can't make that vow? Because when I say I do, that's a vow that I make in front of people, in front of God. Or when I, you know, when I go to the courts and I become like a, like a, like a witness, I can't, you know, I can't swear by, by, you know, to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, let's go back to what Jesus was talking about. In verse 34, look at that. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Is there a period in there? He qualified that by telling people the oath and the swearing that he was against. He says, do not swear an oath that is hypocritical. Do not swear an oath that you do not mean. Do not swear an oath that you know that you're probably just going to break because God's name is not on it. Just be truthful in everything that you do. And I know, and we know that Jesus did not mean that because Jesus actually responded to the high priest 
by an oath. We see that in the gospel account. In Matthew 26, 63-64, we read, But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Did Jesus say, ah, I'm not going to do that because I don't swear oaths? Jesus said, you have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus enjoined truthfulness and faithfulness regardless of if he was just saying it or he was making a solemn vow. That is the lesson for us today, is our truthfulness and faithfulness. Now, here it is right here. Jesus tells us to be truthful in what we say, for us to mean what we say. But you know what? Words are nothing without anything backing it up. Words are just words without the actions that back it up. That's why in our integrity, we can only just rely on truthfulness. We have to also have faithfulness in there so we can act on what we say. That reminds me of, uh, of a lesson of integrity that I had in my life, in my career in the military. Uh, we all have bosses. You know, in the military, I was posted so many times in many different places. And every time I get posted, I get a new boss. So uh, I was in this post, and I remember we were expecting a new person coming in, my next boss. And I was anxious to meet this individual because I heard a lot about him, that he was a very good guy. That's all I heard. And without having met him, I confirmed that he was a good guy. You're probably saying, oh, how? Because uh, in my office at the time, I had the full view of the parking lot. I could see the, the, the people who were coming in late. <laughs> I could see the people that are leaving early. It was great. But I was looking out for this person. And there's this, uh, in, in, in that particular job, there's like parking stalls for everyone, depending on your position. And there's this vacant parking lot. And I knew if he parked there, that's going to be my new boss because that's his parking stall. So long story short, car parks there, small car, right? And then he came out, a big guy, came out. Oh, that's my new boss. But that day, I remembered, was particularly windy. So there's this, like, President's Choice bag, you know, the shopping bag that was blowing in the wind. And so he saw it, and then he went after it. He was going to take it. So, but he, he went straight to the, to the building, but then this plastic bag was blowing that way, so he went that way. And he picked it up. And the wind blew it further away. So he was like, and then he went and continued after it. And then he picked it up again, and then the wind blew it again. Further away from the building. And then he went. And you know where it went? It went underneath the parked cars. So he was trying to fish it out. And then it blew again, but I couldn't see the bag already because I was in the building there. And it went further underneath. And then I saw him on his back, trying to fish it out. And after like minutes of doing this, he had the bag in his hand. He put it in his pocket and made his way to the building. I guess he was going to throw it out. That's the kind of integrity that I want in my life. There was nobody in the parking lot. He could not see anybody there but parked cars, a few parked cars. Because it was at the end of the day. If we do not back our words with actions, that's not integrity. 
see, we understand the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, um, uh, self-control. But there's this verse that talks to us more about the fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Brothers and sisters, today we need to have a life of integrity that pursues goodness, righteousness, and truth, regardless of who is watching. It doesn't matter if there's people there, especially when when we're by ourselves, on our own time, even when our wives are not there, our husbands are not there. We need to be men and women of integrity like Jesus. But going back to the story of Jesus, to the people that Jesus was talking to, the people who swore an oath by heaven, by, by the earth, by their heads, and the people who are saying that, well, I'm going to do this because if I say this, I don't have to do it. If I can't, if I, you know, if I don't really mean it, I can just do this and people are going to think that I'm actually making a solemn vow. The one problem that they have, that they had was this. They thought... They could compartmentalize their lives to say, well, in this part of my life, God is not going to be in it. But in this part of my life, God's going to be in it. Well, the problem that they had was that. They thought they could, you know, remove God in certain parts and aspects of their life. That is not true. That is not true. For us today, we need to have the same language in a church setting like this, and we need to use the exact same language in a setting like this in our construction job at our work and in the birthday party that uh, we have uh, with our neighbors or the high school reunion of our friends and uh, with our friends. We need to have the exact same language that we use when we go to KFC to order food. We need to have the same language everywhere, anytime, any place that we are in. And not only our language, but also our actions. Now, as we conclude today, you're probably thinking, Jay, I'm a bad person. Because there are things that I have said and done that compromise my Christian integrity. Haven't we all? We are not perfect. But does not pre- that, that does not preclude us from growing our Christian integrity. In fact, in our weaknesses and in our faults and in our sins. That's the perfect time to tell people about our integrity. In that regard, we need to think about something, this word. In our imperfections, in our sins that we commit every day, we need to be blameless. Let me explain by giving you a, 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 a verse. Philippians 2.15 that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. We have learned before that we are the lights of the world. That's why integrity is important for us to have, because people see us and they see our lights. But the Apostle Paul in, in, uh, tells the Philippian church that we need to be blameless. Now the word blameless here does not mean we can't do anything wrong. 
The word blameless here does not mean we're, we're, uh, we're sinless. That we are, we have not done anything wrong whatsoever. No. The word blameless here means that when we have sinned, when we have fallen, when we have tripped, this is what we do. We get back up. We own our sin. We acknowledge our sin. We apologize for that sin. And we correct that sin. That is how we become blameless. And the innocent part there does not mean that we are not capable of sinning. The innocent part means when we, de- when we do actually do something bad, that it's not something that we do overly maliciously. That it's an honest mistake. That we will correct the sin that we have committed regardless of who we did it against. Regardless of what it is, we will not be afraid of the truth and we will not be afraid of the consequences. That is Christian integrity. We need to be truthful and faithful in everything that we do. I have one last verse that I want to share with you that summarizes everything that we have talked about so far. Psalm 15, 1 and 2. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain. And this, the next line here, summarizes what Christian integrity is all about. The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart. Brothers and sisters, let us have integrity like Jesus. And if today you do not have Jesus, the integrity that you are working on is shallow. It is based on the world and not based on God, not based on Jesus. But today you have the opportunity to come forward and put on Jesus as your Lord and Savior to make yourself integral, whole as his, uh, as his follower. Let's stand and sing. And if you, uh, if, if, if you need our prayers and help, please come.